0: Please, as you would open your Bibles since I have this thing on. Um, yes I do. to second Samuel I'm sorry first Samuel. you got the second later. First Samuel, Instructions, following instructions. For some of us, that might be easy. For some of us, or difficult. Especially when it comes to appliances or electronics. You know, to following instructions. We kind of want it all done, all there. We're going to look at two passages as scriptures. We can't tonight to look at doing things God's way, doing things God's way, and how God is specific in the way He wants things to be done. Before we go to the Word of God, though, I want you to have in mind, please, to be praying for our church there in Trenton at Mosaic. in the next month as we here at Faith are going to be looking at a month full with missions. It will be our missions month. Over there in, at Mosea, we're going to be having a family month. So we're going to be having all ser- our services directed to family. And in fact, we're looking now that, if you didn't know this before, we were able to um, enclose the parking lot. We're planning to have two nights of movie nights in the parking lot where we're planning to invite the community. The idea is to have one night, Spanish movie, English subtitles. Next night, English movie, Spanish subtitles. Yeah. Thank God for technology. But we pray to do that. So be praying for us, please, over there at Mosea. Uh, before we go to the scripture, I want to, 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 to cover a couple things. Two different roles that we see in the Bible. Number one, I want, you to, 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 I, I want us to look at the role of a prophet. A prophet in the Old Testament was someone who was used by God to communicate his message to the world or his people. A prophet were also called a seer because they could see, spiritually speaking, as God gave insight. For example, we find that in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 9. Some wrote books like Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, but other Prophets didn't, like Gad, Nathan, or Elijah. We even have a a prophet that is an unnamed prophet out of the book of Judges, chapter 6. A prophet was called by God for his office. He was required to deliver God's message accurately. Then the role of a priest. A priest, he was the supreme religious leader of the Israelites. He had to be whole physically and holy in his conduct. The Hebrew people would go to him in order to know God's will. The most important duty of the high priest was to conduct service on the day of atonement. Only he was allowed to enter the most holy place in the tabernacle. Now we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 13. If you dare please. And we're gonna read an account of something that happened during the time of Saul reigned. First Samuel chapter 13. Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul so choosing three thousand men of Israel, whereof two thousand were with Saul in, Mich- in Michmash, in the Mount of Bethel, and a thousand were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. And the rest of the people, he sent every man to his tent. And Jonathan smote the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, and, Philis, and the Philistines heard of it. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. And all Israel heard, um, say, that Saul had smitten the garrison of the Philistines, and that Israel also was in an abomination with the Philistines. And the people were called together after Saul to Gilgal. And the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people at the sand, which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and pitched in mishmash eastward of beth When the men of Israel saw that they were in stra- in a strait, for the people were distressed, then the people did hide themselves in caves, and in tickets, and in rocks, and in high places, and in pits. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgad, and all the people followed him, trembling. Pause there for a second. This is the second year of his reign, and Saul... He decided on his own to go to battle with 3,000 men. 2,000 were with him. 1,000 was with his son, Jonathan, and they smote the Philistines. Now, 3,000 men, and that was it. And he went to start a war. No consultation at all. When the enemy heard of it, that he has smote, he had attacked them, they gathered themselves to, to gather a huge... A huge um, army. Have you ever, <clears throat> when you were young, or when we were young, um, like young kids, we we, we lived close to, a, to the woods. Um, you know, you have cows and so on. And we were often, when we're vacation time, go and play into the woods. And now and then you will come across a beehive. Huge beehive. And there is something in young boy's mind when you see a beehive. Someone got to hit that thing. So we always take turns and try to hit it with rocks. One day, we were so lucky, three rocks hit it at the same time. And it fell. You know that did not make them very happy. So they attacked us, and I got stung in, the, in my, my neck, and my back. One of my friends, I mean, he looked like popcorn. It was so bad. So they started to be high. The Philistines, the Philistines now coming after him. 30,000 men in chariot, 6,000 horsemen. And soldiers and an army at the sand, a multitude as far as one can see. I mean, they were mad and they're coming after him. He only had 2,000 men and his son 1,000. And they started to run. The Bible said that they started hiding in caves, in tickets, running to high ground. Some fled over Jordan. You could see them going off, going or with Jordan and throwing their their, 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 their armors away because they were afraid. Verse um, 7, I'm sorry, verse 6 says that the people were distressed. And in verse 7, he said that the people that followed Saul went after him trembling. In order to continue this war, in order to face the enemy, in order to see what's, what, what direction to follow, he sent for Samuel. Samuel was the prophet and also had double duty as the priest. So Samuel was to come and perform the sacrifice, the Holocaust to God. Saul so wait there at Gilgal with his army for seven days. Now you can imagine the anguish, the anxiety, the desperation when he sent for Samuel, and Samuel said, "I'll be there in seven days." This was a, I would say, a desperate Urgent situation. And usually when we are in desperation, an urgent situation, when we are anxious, we end up making bad choices or making mistakes. Rush decisions, And that's what's going to happen to Saul. After the seventh day when he saw that Samuel will not show, read with me the word please, verse 8. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, "Bring here the burnt offering to me and peace offerings." And he offered the burnt offering. I have seen Samuel done this before. I know to perform an offering. Bring me, put me some rocks, and put some 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 um, um, some sticks on it. Bring me the the goat. I know how to do the cut. I'm going to put it on top. We just have to burn it. I've seen this before. Since Samuel is not here yet, let me perform it because I see the soldiers leaving and the enemy is about to attack. But You know what? It wasn't Samuel, um, Saul's place to perform that holocaust. It wasn't Saul's place to perform that sacrifice. He was the king, yes, but he was not the prophet. He was the king, yes, but he was not the priest. He had a duty, yes, with the people to lead the people, but this was for the prophet to do. You know, whenever we change the order, or go against what God has ordained, Where is a society, a family, an individual, or a church, whenever we change the structure or go against the law of what God has preordained, that's a recipe for disaster. It is a recipe for disaster. It is a recipe for tragedy. It is desperation. It makes a very hasty and bad choice. You see, Because as soon as he's finished performing the sacrifice, look what happened. Go, if you would please. Verse 10. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made at end of offering the the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. And Samuel said, verse 11, what have you done? What have you done? Because he couldn't wait. What have you done? I believe that. What you've. What have you done? He wasn't with. He with with, it, it was not said with a smile. Because Samuel knew the implication of what was going to happen next. But I want us to look at now how Saul is going to respond to that question. He was hasty. He usurped the the place of the prophet. He did something he shouldn't do. And now he's going to answer why he did it. Let's read on. Verse 11. And Saul said, because I saw the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at mishmash. Therefore I said, the Philistines will come down now upon to me and Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I force myself therefore, and offer a burnt offering. He said in, in our words, number one, I did it because the people. This is going to be a pattern in Saul's life. Always blaming somebody else. Because the people were deserted me. Then he turned to Samuel. You weren't here. You, I, I thought you were going to come earlier. You weren't here. And again, I was afraid of the enemy. All three look like very valid, very valid reason of why he performed it. But the problem is this. It was not his place. It was not his place. You know, God has ordained the prophet to be the one. And Saul never took responsibility for usurping that that office, but he blamed others. Because of this, in fact, before I go to, 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 to that. He not only blames others, but he kind of like congratulates himself. When he said there, I forced myself. I did what I could. I took strength to do what I could in order to ask God for his blessing. He kind of congratulating himself. Well, surprise, surprise. Samuel's answer to him was one that he was not expected. In verse 13, Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done splendidly. Is that what he says there? Let me see. Maybe my glasses are not good. And Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee, for now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Because of this, in the second year of his reign, Saul, even though he was going to reign for 38 more years, his reign was going to be a disaster, a total failure. Saul was going to end up seeking after witchcraft and millions. His life is going to end on the battlefield by suicide. His son was going to be murdered. His, his, his body was going to be hanging on the wall of the enemy's city. The Ark of the Covenant was going to be taken, Israel was going to suffer great defeat. Thou hast done foolishly, because could not wait upon the Lord. Go to First Chronicles chapter 13. is the word place. First Chronicles chapter 13. In 1 Chronicles chapter 13. I'm going to give you homework. You're going to have to go read chapter 13. We don't have time to read it tonight. But I'm going to you the gist of what's going on there. About for 50 years. From the time of Saul. The Ark of the Covenant. Was outside the land of Israel. First the Philistines had it and then they send it over to Abinadab because God judged them for for having it. The Ark of the Covenant represented for the children of God is promised covenant to do them good if they keep his commandment and obey his laws. But there was always warning of punishment and despair if they disobey. As a sign of this covenant, God gave them to the children of Israel to make a box according to his own design. And he was placed in the holy of holies in the tabernacle and eventually in the temple when it was built. The lid was called the mercy seat as a term that was, was from the Hebrew word that means to cover, to placate, to appease, to cleanse, to cancel. It was there where the high priest will come once a year to offer and sprinkle with the blood of an animal to appease the anger of God for past sins committed. It was a symbolic foreshadowing of the ultimate sacrifice for all sins by the blood of Jesus. The presence of God among his people represented it by the Ark of the Covenant and it was not there. So, David gathered the people and decided to bring back the Ark of the Covenant from the house of Abinadad back to the city of Judah. To the city of of David in Judah. And this was a great occasion for the entire country. The only way I can explain, and I mentioned it um, just this morning over there at Mosaic, the only way I can explain what the scene looked like is kind of like when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Everybody was so quiet and calm and in their houses. Not. People start shouting, people start rejoicing. It was a grandiose occasion. But look is your word, please, in first Corinthians chapter thirteen. I want you to look at something very important here. Verse six. Chapter thirteen, verse six. And David went up and all Israel to Belash, that is Kiraim, which belonged to Judah, to bring up thence the ark of God, the Lord that dwelleth between the Caribbean, whose name is called on it. And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadad, and Uzzah and Ahio drove the cart. And David and all Israel played before God with all their might, and with singing, and with harps, and with psalteries, and with timbrels, and with cymbals, and with trumpets. And when they came unto the threshing floor of Chidon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah and he smote him because he put his hand to the ark and there he died before God. It seemed like Uzzah was about to do a good thing. It seemed that Uzzah was about to prevent the ark of the covenant to fall to the ground and break. It seemed that it was good intention what he was doing. But the problem is this. God already ordained in several passages of scripture beginning with Exodus all the way to Joshua that only the Levites and specifically of the Levites the children of Kohath will be the one who carry the ark of the covenant that was specific but there is something else here you see how they were bringing the ark of the covenant it was transported on a new cart if you go in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 7, 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 7, when the Philistines were gonna send away the Ark of the Covenant, they consulted with their wishmen and their and their um, sorcerers, evil people, what they should do with the Ark of the Covenant. And part of the instruction that these men gave them, these pagan and priests gave the people of Philistines to do is to send it in a new cart over to the Jews. This new cart method was a pagan system of transporting their gods, and God had really instructed. His people of a different method. It wasn't through new carts he was to be taken, but on the shoulders of holy men. By following the pattern of the pagans, by following the pattern of the methods of the world, when the oxen stumble, and the crown was falling down. And Uzzah, trying to prevent it from falling, maybe a good thing, he died. And David finally find out and figure out there was something wrong here. This ought not to happen. It shouldn't happen like this. How can I, you read the entire chapter, he asks his question, how could I bring the Ark of the Covenant to to me, under these conditions, he knew something was wrong. In the next following chapter, chapter fourteen, there's a pause there where David's gonna face his enemies, and if you look there in verse ten In verse fourteen and in verse sixteen, there is a word that is repeated. And David inquired, verse. 10. Verse 14, therefore David inquired again of God. Verse 16, David therefore did as God commanded him. Now David is inquiring of God how to do, what to do, when to go in, when to go out. Folks, it is important, it is imperative for us to inquire for, first for the instruction of God. Before making decisions. Before taking part. When you come to chapter 15, now David is going to do it. And the people, they're going to do it the right way. Look at chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. And David made himself houses in the city of David, and prepared a place for the ark of God, and pitched for it a tent. Then David said, None ought to carry the ark of God, but the Levites. For them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God, and to minister unto him, Forever. Go to verse 11. And David called Sadduk and Abiatar, the priest, and for the Levites, for Uriel, Asiah, and Joel, Samariah, and Eliel, and Aminadat, and said unto them, You are the chief of the fathers of the Levite. Sanctify yourself, both you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the, of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. For because you did, you did it not as the first, The Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due order. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. And the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staff thereon, as Moses commanded according to the word of God. Now they did it God way. Now they're gonna do it God's way. The word of God tell us in the book of Timothy. Go to first Timothy, if you would please. New Testament. Go to the word of Timothy. <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter three. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. We know this scripture. We have heard it before, perhaps. Let's read it tonight. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good Works. Got questions? Here are the answers. Want to know how to perform as a husband, as a mother, as a wife, of a son, as a daughter, as a believer, in different situations? Got questions? Here are the instructions. God help us to follow them. God help us to seek them out. God help us to look down. There are those promises for us we just follow. God's way. God have a way of doing what he wants to do. May he help us follow. Let's pray. As we look into your word, God, how you are so specific on several topics and things. Help us, Father, to realize that we're not our own and to seek your word, consult, inquire of you. Thank you, Father, for giving us directions and thank you for your mercy and your grace to help us follow. Help us during this week to be able to represent you, your word, to represent Jesus, the best we can. And thank you, thank you, Lord, that you're giving us, you're giving of your Holy Spirit and your word. We're not alone because you guide us. Give us a good way home tonight and bless everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen.